0: Quiet, please. Love Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to Rex Sykes Movie Beat, conversations with filmmakers where we discuss everything film and television. Here on Movie Beat, you're going to learn what to do and what not to do when it comes to making movies and TV. And we will talk to everyone behind the scenes and in front of the camera. And I'll provide you with the guests and the information you're going to want to have, whether you're a filmmaker or a fan. And so now let's move behind the scenes here at Movie Beat. Uh, My guest today is Mr. Nick Vallelonga. He is the director of many movies and producer and writer and actor as well. And he directed the current movie we're talking about, or a recent movie we're talking about, Yellow Rock, that uh, my recent guests have included. Uh, Lenore Andriel and Steve Doucette. Uh Steve was the executive producer uh, Lenore was the producer the screenwriter along with Steve and uh, one of the lead actors in the movie and the uh, Spears brothers Michael and Eddie Spears and uh, so we've discussed uh, the movie with them we're going to talk about it with Nick and uh, as well as other people, because this is a fascinating opportunity for us. We'll talk to costume director, uh, other producers, and other people who worked on the movie uh, to get the different points of view from different uh, actors and, and crew positions of what it was like to make this feature. So uh, uh, I'm glad that you joined us today live and or recorded. Uh, the official web address for Rex Sykes Movie Beat is R E X S I K E S. Dot com. That's my name. I'm your host. And all of these interviews, you can get to the player live from my guest biography page at com in the interviews blog. and uh, you, Or you can listen to them archived because all of these interviews, over 300 interviews, discussions with professional filmmakers are archived right there at the interviews blog. If you're listening live, of course, you can join us in the chat room. And if you're listening live or archived, all we ask is two things of you. One. Please share these interviews now right now while you're listening go ahead and tweet somebody uh facebook somebody call them phone book them uh, you know telephone them uh, email them and have them join us and listen in now live or archive and second is to leave comments at the player uh it's a blog talk radio player uh, right beneath the player is a comment window you can leave comments during the show after the show before the show and you can tweet live and you put them on Facebook because when you do, it helps extend our reach to reach other filmmakers, other industry people, other, other fans of film who may not be aware yet of the show. So that's what we ask because Movie Beat's really designed to be a resource for you. That's why I connect you up with people who are making it happen. All we ask in exchange is that you share the show and comment on the show. Also, the interviews are available as podcasts at the iTunes store, and you can subscribe there and never miss another one of these interviews. Let me tell you about Nick Villalonga. He's a director, producer, writer, and actor, and he uh, first appeared in the wedding scenes of The Godfather when he was 12 years old. And he had roles in Family Business, Pritsy's Honors, Goodfellas, and The Pope of Greenwich Village. Next, I mean, sorry, Nick and writer-director Christopher Coppola teamed up On Deadfall, starring Nicholas Gage, Michael Bean, James Coburn, Charlie Sheen, Peter Funn, and Talia Shire. Nick wrote and directed A Brilliant Disguise, starring Tony Dennison, Lysette Anthony, and Corbin Bernson, and Corporate Ladder, starring Kathleen Kinmont, uh, Tony Dennis, I'm sorry, Dennison, Ben Cross, John Polito, and uh, Jennifer O'Neill. Nick wrote, produced, directed, acted in. The Kingdom of the Blind, starring William Peterson, Michael Bean, Paul Winfield, Leo Rossi, Kristen Alonso, and Nick's dad, Tony Lip, The Sopranos. In 2005, Nick tested the limits of low budget HD cinema with Disturbance, a.k.a. It's also known as Choker, starring himself, Paul Sloan, Colleen Porch, Haley Dumont, and Tony Dennison. He produced and directed, I uh, wish he produced and directed. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. He produced and directed All In, starring Dominic Swain, Michael Madsen, Louis Gossett, Jr., and James Russo. He produced The Machine with writer-director Michael Lazar. It starred Michael Madsen, Neil McDonough, uh, Paul Sloan, James Russo, Michael Lazar, and Nick. And then he produced a modern Twain story, The Prince and the Pauper, starring Disney's Colin, Dylan Sprouse, Vince, Vincent Spano, D.D. Pfeiffer, Sally Kellerman, Ed Lauder, and Nick himself. He produced and directed *Stiletto*, starring Tom Berenger, Michael Bean, uh, Stanya Kadek, uh Paul Sloan, William Forsythe, James Russo, Tom Sizemore, um, and others. As and um, 2011, he directed *Yellow Rock*, starring Michael Bean, James Russo, Lenore Andriel, Michael, and Eddie Spears. So, uh, I'm happy, very happy, to welcome. Uh, Mr. Nick Vallelonga to uh, Rex Hikes Movie Beat. How you doing, Nick?
0: Hi, how are you?
1: I'm good. Yourself?
0: Uh, pretty good. Good morning. It's pretty early over
1: here. Yeah, that it is. It is uh, much earlier on the West Coast than it is for us here in the, in the Midwest. Uh, but let me ask you this, Nick. I mean, you seem to have uh, – you've done uh, very much from the time you were uh, a young boy, uh, appearing in uh, some – very big movies, and uh, uh, and then you went on into write and produce and direct, and you continued to act. Um, tell us about your start and uh, and and that path from actor to uh, uh, what you do now.
0: Well, when I was uh, I was always a big movie fan. I loved I loved the movies even as a little kid. I was always writing little stories. So I, for so whatever reason uh I I was interested in telling stories. I had a a big Italian family and, and, and my dad and my uncles were always telling these stories. They'd sit the kids down and whether well, they were little scary stories or whatever. So I was I was very taken in by storytelling at an early age. And then my father, uh who's ended up being an actor, Tony Lip, who who was on the Sopranos, which I'll get into that later um, he was working at a very, very famous nightclub called the Copacabana in New York. Uh-huh. And at one point, uh, Francis Ford Coppola and the casting directors of The Godfather were in there because that was a place that had a lot of real-life uh, mobsters and show people, and it was it was a quite, a, quite a nightclub. And they met my father and asked my father to be in the film. So... Uh, Francis Ford Coppola cast him as a role And then he said do you have any kids We need a bunch of kids Italian kids for the wedding scenes And so my brother and I Screen tested for uh, The Godfather And we got in it in the wedding scenes And uh, I saw how a film was made So my first sort of little film school Was uh, The Godfather I don't know if you can get much better than that Right. And uh, I was just So taken in by the whole you know, where they made the movie, and uh, I loved it from that point on. So I, I, from there, I continued writing, and uh, I started acting, and uh, I wasn't a child actor per se, but, I, you know, whenever I had a chance to act in any plays or anything, I would do that. And then when I went to college, I was a communications major, with a theater minor, so I did a lot of theater uh, in college, and I did a lot of theater in New York theater, I went into the New York City and did a lot of uh, off-Broadway plays, and uh, just started getting into it that way. Uh, started auditioning for films I, in New York. Uh, a lot of actors do extra work. It wasn't back then. wasn't considered uh, nothing wrong with that. You learn a lot, and from doing the extra work in New York, I started getting parts, small parts in a lot of these films with uh, some pretty amazing directors.
1: Well, that's 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 tr- truly uh, uh, one, a, a, a great story. It's not that often that uh, you know when people fall into the Godfather or fall into a big movie, but that's that's very cool. It led you on this journey throughout uh, your, your life, where uh, but at some point you started writing and then producing and directing. And, and can you tell us how you how you made that transition? Well, when I when
0: I when I, when I was acting, I always uh, I still was was writing. And I wrote my first script, and it almost got bought. Like, when I was, like, 1920, I wrote a script.
1: uh, I was close
0: to getting it made, so that kept me going. I started working at, actually, CBS News. I was going to... I worked for 60 Minutes, and I also worked for Dan Rather, and I was going to get into news writing, but I felt it a little bit too constricting. I wanted to be more creative, so I decided... Well, if I if I stay here at the news, you know, that's a career choice, but I, I still was acting in, the, in New York, and I still knew that in my heart I wanted to, you know, try doing film and TV. So uh, I kept writing, and eventually I moved out to Los Angeles, and I got a job as an assistant to a producer uh, named Bernie Kahn who had a production office with another producer named Jack Schwartzman, who by coincidence was married to Talia Shire, who was Uh in The Godfather. So when I walked in the office for the job, I saw this big Godfather photo, and I spoke to him, and I said, oh, I was in The Godfather, so they hired me. One thing led to another. I met Christopher Coppola, uh, who is Francis' nephew and Nicolas Cage's brother, and Christopher and I hit it off. And he had read one of my scripts. I read one of his, and so we decided to write a script together. And our first script that we wrote together was called Deadfall, and um, it immediately got made into a film starring Nicolas Cage, and Michael Dean, James Coburn, Charlie Sheen, Peter Fonda, uh, Talia Shire. It was uh, it was it was pretty pretty big deal pretty much the first script out of the box uh, when I was in Los Angeles. And that got made, and then, you know, things took off from there.
1: Wow. Uh, that is that is amazing. Now, before we get into Yellow Rock, can I just ask you, uh, yeah, what out of all of the projects that you've either written or produced or directed uh, is your favorite, and, and, and why? And, and just tell us about that, because I, I mentioned a bunch in your intro, and uh, and may not have mentioned, you know, everything, so.
0: Well, I mean, I don't... It's probably the one you're working on at the time is your favorite. Uh, uh, each one has great memories, you know. Independent filmmaking is hard. You usually don't have enough time or enough money, or you, you don't have enough of something when you're doing an independent film. So they all have their challenges and their problems, and, uh, you know, the... The financing is one thing. Just getting distribution is another. You know, you make... Uh, you have to make changes and compromises. So it's tough making an independent film. So all of them are like you're going into a little battle, or a little war. But fortunately, you know, you meet some great people and some relationships that last for, for a long time and friendships, and you learn on each one. So, I mean... At, Everything I've done, whether I've written it or directed or produced or acted in it, um, I've learned a lot from each one, and, and you move on to the next, and hopefully you strive to get better and and, and do something better and eventually make a really good one.
1: Oh, very cool. Uh, a couple of things. One is uh, you, you have a, a relative, Antonella, in the chat room. She's listening to the show and says, Hi. And, oh,
0: Iron! You know, she, I think she's in she's in Germany, I believe.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, and, and other fans from Germany and around the world. I want to welcome everybody who is in the chat room. Uh, sometimes the chat room is kind of persnickety. People get in, they get booted out, and they have trouble getting in and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, welcome to everybody there. I have a question from the chat room that I'm going to ask before we get into discussing Yellow Rock, uh, but it's but it's it's appropriate. And that is uh, it comes from Jake who says that uh, you seem to work with many of the same actors. Can you tell us the history and theory behind the choice or the reason for doing that? And then he's gonna he's gonna ask how you met Michael. And then he goes on to ask how you met Michael Bean, who we will be talking about you know uh, in moments about how he got how you got him involved in Yellow Rock. But uh, but uh, the original uh, question is um, why do you choose to work with the same people over and over again?
0: Well, you know, if you if you look back at uh I think a lot of great directors and going back to theater companies that uh you know, had an ensemble group of people that, you know, one day you're playing the lead and the next show you're you're playing the, the waiter, you know, and, and I think that's what acting should be. I mean everyone can switch out and do different things. So, you know, for me for myself studying other directors and reading how things were done and having a theater background. I, I like to take that approach and I like to work with the same actors when I can, um, because it feels like a, like a, a theater group that you're going on, and you're doing a different, a different show. And then there's also, you know, you can get comfortable with different actors. I mean, if you know, Lawrence Corsese has made a lot of movies with Robert De Niro and, and, and things like that. So, um, It's fun, it's comfortable, uh, it's great when it can happen. It can't always happen. You know, I have friends of mine that uh, sometimes I want to put into things that maybe they're just not right for. I mean, I've directed things that I'm not right for as an actor. I don't put myself in everything. Uh, I've had guys say to me, well, you can just, can't you put me in this one? I said, well, I'm making a movie about Eskimo women, in uh, the 1800s. Well, a little flick of the pen. There's no Italian guys in there. You know. <laughs>
1: it's either either making an Italian guy or I can play an Eskimo woman. Exactly. So uh,
0: you know when I can do it, it's great to work with the same people, and uh, I, I, that's my. It's the camaraderie, and it's sort of that that throwback to to a, a theater group of a group of people working together a lot. So. Um, that's
1: why I do it a lot. But well, I, I think. It's, go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: No, if I can, if I if I am able to, I, I'd love to work with the same people uh, over and over.
1: And I, I think it's important for filmmakers, you know, and listeners and fans to understand that that there's a there's an amount of trust and professionalism in knowing people's working styles and their temperaments and things like that, and becoming friends and 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 but but having people that you can trust when you when you hire uh actors or crew and uh, and when you say when you can sometimes it's, it's the the person is is or isn't appropriate for a role but then there's also other things There's scheduling they have other commitments and other time frames and other concerns and vacations and things so not always is it possible to um get people together when you want to get it, or when you want to, or when you need to, or, or I mean, I'm sure there are times when you're ready to go and then the actor can't, or, uh, the actor can, but you know, the production isn't ready to go. So there's a, there's a lot of different, um, factors that, that go into why or why not people may appear in movies.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes you have somebody that, uh, there was a film that at one point Michael Madsen was going to do with me. And, he triggered all the financing, and at the last minute he got a, he got a Tarantino film, and it was, the schedule was exactly the same. So he had to go do that. I still made the movie and and uh, had to had to do someone else. But so there's all kinds of different uh, scenarios. I mean, if, like I said, it, it's great to work with some of the same people, but sometimes you also have to you know refresh and do something outside of the same people so that it doesn't get stale either. You know so. It's it's all depending on the project and and, and and the roles. Um like I said, if it's possible and I could do it, I I enjoy it because it you know, there's people that you said you are familiar with and comfortable working with and you know what you're gonna get also. Um, uh, but it's also good sometimes to work with, you know, people that are new that you haven't worked with yet. That that in itself is a, is a lot of fun
1: also. Oh, absolutely. Um so I understand that you've been friends with uh, your leading lady, producer, writer, Lenore Andrea, and, and for some time. And, and you've both worked together. But we, have you both worked together before, or was this the first time you've worked together?
0: Uh, we had worked together in New York uh, on some films. We met there. We did some theater together. Lenore used to have a uh, a company where she produced plays, and she also had a uh, like a – a mystery theater sort of uh, thing where uh, we would go to put on these shows where it was like a fake murder and a murder mystery sort of thing. It was a comedy where you had to perform live and improv. And so that's really when we first started working together. So we, we had remained friends for a long time after that.
1: And how did you uh, get involved with uh, uh, producing and then directing Yellow Rock?
0: Uh I literally was back and forth at that time. Uh, I was on the East Coast, and I was walking. I had just flown back. I was going to come back for a week to to L.A. to just, you know, check out, see what's going on. I I, I had my bags in my hands walking to my apartment, and my phone rang. And I was just arriving, and it was Lenore, and she mentioned that she had put together this film. And she was in the pre-production stage, and it was a little overwhelming, and could she had a director already and um but could I come in and help her produce uh and it was going to be a small movie and not a lot of time and to help her out I said absolutely I would help her so I came on board um to produce to sort of get the production going and uh bring whatever I could bring to it to 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 make it happen and we got We got things going. While I was producing, I brought in Michael Bean and uh, James Russo. Uh, And then James brought a couple of other actors to the table. I brought in Christopher Backus, who I'd worked with all of them before. So um, I thought, as a producer, I was trying to, you know, help Lenora get the best cast she can get as well. She had already cast uh, all of the Native American actors, uh, which they were great. So she had them. He didn't have the uh, the mail leads yet, so I I helped with that. So we got the production up and running. Um, Daniel Valuse came in. Steve Dusset was was already there as executive producer and co writer. Um, so we 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 started, and we were about a day day and a half into it, and um, the original director. He was getting a little bit behind. I think he was a little overwhelmed because it was a big, big undertaking to do a Western in the small amount of time that we had to do it in. And I think it was very, uh, you know, we went for it, but it was going to be tough. And I just don't think he was able to shoot it as quickly as uh, he wanted to and we wanted to. So Lenore and the other producers, um, spoke to him and he and he kind of said it's too much for me so they asked me we were in the middle of uh, out in the valley's ranch production is going and we only had 10 more days to shoot and so they said could you take this over and uh and direct it so that's how I ended up directing i uh, you, know, you know you know i didn't feel good about it at first because the original director was a great guy and he had great intentions but I just wasn't getting it done, basically, so I had to take over.
1: So you took over the the remaining 10 days?
0: Well, there was only 12 days to begin with. So, So, yeah, we took over the remaining. The the second day, we kind of squeaked through. We were behind, though. So I had to uh, uh, pick up and reshoot some of the stuff that was already there and also pick up what wasn't shot. So we ended up, uh, I think we ended up adding one more additional day. Uh, so it was a total of 13 days completely. But, yeah, I picked it up. You know, I had I been on from the beginning, my preparation would have been different. Well, I would have had preparation. I would have approached it probably a little bit different, but it was kind of, sort of this thrown in there, which kind of added, I guess, to the whole thing. I mean, every movie, it's its own animal, and... The fact that I had no prep, I just kind of like said, all right, what are we shooting today? Or really, I at some days I didn't know what we were shooting, and neither did anyone else. So I, I think I might have confused a lot of people because I just, I had to get it in my head. How am I going to get this thing done? I mean, it was a Western. It wasn't a small indie with a bunch of people in a, in a house, and it all takes place in a couple of rooms. There were horse, horses and guns and cowboys and Indians and... And uh, there was a lot, a lot going on. And so, uh, you know, we had to make quick decisions. I had to talk to Lenore and Steve and say, you know, what can we keep in the script? What can we can we condense? What can we combine? Because we wanted to keep the integrity of the story, but yet we wanted to get the movie done and, and, and make sure we had something good. So uh, it was all that was going on while we were filming out there in the 118 degree heat. So it was, it was crazy. Sometimes you know when it's crazy, you end up with something good, and I think we—that's what happened here.
1: Yeah, indeed, you did. And and um, did you? uh, Let's see. What to what degree? I mean, in other words, you're thrown into a situation like that. And you've got Lenore, who's a producer, and you've you've come on and produced, and you've brought the actors on. Now you're you're taking over directing. Uh, who who do you end up leaning on? Your production manager, if you have one. Your producers, a uh, first AD, if you have one. I mean, in other words, how did you? I mean, it sounds like an, an amazing um, a jumping off point for you. <laughs> I mean, just. Well,
0: luckily, you know, that's why. I mean, I I had produced. And directed a bunch of independent movies So, you know, what was hard was I didn't have my crew I didn't have, you know, the original crew I felt that the director chose wasn't up to par So we switched and got a Even then I couldn't get the guys I wanted to But we got a good, uh, Lenore had a very good uh, DP That uh, came in, Ricardo but he couldn't work the whole he could work like five days and he had to go do another show. So the camera guys I had a I had him for a good solid five days which was good. We got a lot of work done with him and then he left his crew with me. So I was dealing with my crew issues and shooting and cameras. You know, Lenore is in, you know, the whole movie, so she had a switch from producer mode to uh to actress. Although she was overwhelmed with this too Because there were a lot of changes we had to make And, you know There was a lot going on I tried to keep her just as an actress But of course she had to step in with the producing But Daniel Valizé I kind of like left I was still producing of course But I'm directing now So Daniel Valizé and Steve uh, Just kind of started handling The behind the scenes stuff with the producing And, um, you know We just through it. It was, you know, it was a fight and a little bit of a battle, and but we we got through it. So um, it was it was it was a crazy production, I should say. Uh,
1: that is that is amazing. Now, had you ever directed a western before?
0: No, I had never directed a western before, and it was interesting because I always wanted to. And I said, wow, now I'm directing a western. I wish I had more preparation. Um, but again, I think the fact that I didn't prepare and I just kind of like winged it and, and went with my, what I felt at the moment would be right. I think that's what gives it, it's sort of energy and, uh, you know, I, I decided to do a lot of handheld stuff so, to keep it moving and because we had to move fast and get a lot of setups. And I think that helps with the energy. Ultimately at the end, it helps with the energy of the film. Um, but I was a big Western fan anyway. And, um, I uh, had a lot of a lot of good actors, a lot of good people who had done westerns before, and the horse our horse guys were great, and costumes were great, and sets were great. So we had everything to make a western, and it was a bold attempt, i got to say, for uh, Lenore and Steve had a great script, and um, it was a big deal to try to do what, you know, usually a movie like this, if you're going to do a low-budget independent movie in 12 days, like I said, it's usually a little bit of a thriller. You, people are you know, in a log cabin somewhere, and there's some, you know, psycho. To do this with all that was involved with the gunplay and the horses and so many actors, we have to get – such getting technical, you know. You have to get all the coverage of every single person in all the scenes, and there's movements, so the angles change. I mean, technically, it was a, a bit of an undertaking because um, there were so many people involved and so many things going on. As you, you've seen the movies, and there's gunplay and shootouts, and, 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 and so uh, that part is what was the big, big challenge for me. How am I going to efficiently make this look like a, a bigger budget movie in the amount of time I have? So uh, that was the challenge, and uh,
1: hopefully, we pulled it off. Well, it, you did, and it's very amazing, and it's and it's good for all of us in indie filmmakers, you know, especially to hear, you know, uh, what you went through and what you had to go through, and at the same time come out with a good movie. You know, I mean, obviously it could have been otherwise, but uh, but you guys all made it work, and 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 you got it done, and it's and it's there, and and uh, it's been winning awards and and people like it. So, uh, you know, kudos to to you and everyone who made all of the adjustments. Uh, required in order to get it working. Um, you had mentioned uh, uh, Michael and James Michael Bean, James Russo, and and Christopher Bacchus. When you say you brought them on board as the producer, I do, you just call them up and go, "Michael, I, I got a part for you," or uh, you know, can you explain how some of that works when you when as a producer you're bringing on uh, some name talent?
0: Yeah, in this particular case, that's kind of what it was. You know, I I ran. Uh, the first person we brought on was James Russo, and uh, I ran, obviously, I had run that by Lenore, and she, uh, Lenore and Steve, and they, they loved the idea, so I uh, I got James the script, and uh, and I had them meet Lenore and Steve, and James was great, because uh, he's, he, A, he's a great actor, but James is also a writer, and he's got a great mind for film, and he, uh, He had a lot of great ideas for his character. I mean, he really cares about what he's doing down to the buttons on his coat. I mean, he's really meticulous that way. So he worked a lot with Lenore uh, and I as far as his character and what he wanted to do. And and Lenore was very open to developing that. And I think we we opened up that character a lot and made it it very interesting. So James brought a lot to it. And James brought... um, Clay Wilcox, in, an actor he had just worked on, and uh, uh, Gleason, he brought his, he brought those two actors in. And while that was going on, we were looking for our lead, and I had worked with Michael Dean a few times, and I just thought, well, you know, handsome leading man, Western, you know, you, you need someone to hold the movie together. Uh, who better than Michael Bean? So again, went to Michael with the project and uh, everyone met. And um that went great. So Michael came on board. Um and because of my you know, I had the relationships, you know, a lot of a lot of times something quick like this is about the relationships. So I was able to make these phone calls and the same thing with Christopher Backus. I had worked with him, I'd cast him on a film called All In. So I thought he'd be great in this uh, in the role of Cobb, and uh, brought him in to meet Lenore, and, and, and she fell in love with him. And there was our our main our main cast, and of course Peter uh, uh, Farley uh, uh, was, was uh, Lenore brought him in as well. Peter Shireko, yeah, Peter Shireko, who had worked with Michael Bean on Tombstone, and <clears throat> Peter was amazing. He had first of all Western knowledge like you can't believe, and he had guided us all the horses and all the costume and the wardrobe. He does that as well. He's a, he's a uh, technical consultant on a lot of Westerns. So he provided us with, uh, I think, most of the, the wardrobe and all the horses and the guns. So uh, it was a really cool group of guys on that side. So- and, of course, the Indians, um, when Nora had cast them already, she she had cast them perfectly. And that was it. Was like I looked at my two groups, you know, and they were both excellent in their
1: own way. Oh, that's very cool. And We did speak with Michael and Eddie Spears, uh, Native American uh, Lakota uh, actors uh, who were on the movie, and and as well, we've spoken with Lenore uh, and Steve Dusset, uh, the producers, and Lenore, of course, wrote and, and plays the doctor in the movie. Um, so I, it, I, I encourage listeners to go back and listen to the other shows on Yellow Rock. And as we continue these discussions about Yellow Rock and, and getting it made, because like as I said, we're gonna to talk to various people in in uh different positions, both cast and crew. Uh, so when when it came to Peter, I mean he, he did play Farley in Tombstone with Michael, uh, they had known each other, but um did did was he I mean, did he tell you what to do and what not to do? I mean this is a first western. You're working with horses and, and guns. Lenore had mentioned um I think in, in the prior interview that for example, shooting the gun, you know, on a horse, you had to shoot between the ears because to the left or to the right of the in the eye line of the horse, it would spook the horse or scare the horse. A little technical details. I mean, Peter consult. Uh, oh, absolutely! Like-
0: absolutely, and all that was done, in, uh luckily in pre-production. I mean, there was a lot of um, uh, even before I was directing. I was, you know, concerned for the first director, so. We tried to get pretty much everything. We rehearsed a lot. Uh, they, they did a lot of writing, uh, uh As one more mentioned, you know, how to shoot the gun without spooking the horses. Everyone was working together and preparing so that when we went out, all we had to do was shoot. None of these questions would come up because things do come up anyway. So the, the, as prepared as you can be, I think a low-budget movie, the biggest thing is preparation. If you prep it and rehearse it and, uh, and 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 have everything, all the questions answered, that's how you're able to shoot a, a movie in a short period of time. So, uh, Lenora, luckily, was already knew how to ride, uh, as did most of the, I think, pretty much everybody. So the horse, we got lucky that way. We had no problems with um, people riding. Uh, everyone kind of. Worked on the gunplay. Went up to Peter's uh, ranch. Shot. We did a lot of, of shooting. Uh, if you if you notice in the movie uh, Christopher Backus we do a homage to. Uh, we did an homage to Michael Biehn at the Tombstone. He 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 does a lot of gun uh, playing with the gun. He had not ever done anything like that before. So he just kept working on it, working on it, working on it. And um, I wanted to show that in the film. So luckily, the guns, the horses, we, we prepped it enough. And Lenore was excellent because she had a lot to do with her horse, and she helped other people. I think Christopher Backus, too, was the only one who was not, did not have as much experience on the horse, but he learned quickly. And we got lucky that way. I mean, um, Michael Spears, you know, he's riding the horse bareback. It's just amazing. So, you know, I got lucky with those guys, too. Uh, they came on. I didn't know them. But we hit it off. So the actors were, were, were really great. Everyone had their stuff down. When I was shooting, I didn't have to worry about any of that stuff. I just, you know, of course, we still talk about the character and what to do in the scene and all of that as far as the acting goes. But pretty much, because I didn't have a lot of time, I I was able to concentrate on shooting the film because the actors were, were so prepared and they knew what they were doing. that When I see all action... Everybody had it down to the stunts, to the fights, uh, to, the, to the, the running of the horses. Um, I didn't have to worry about that because they all knew, you know, you've got to be careful, of course, with precautions you got to take, but everyone was really excellent when it came to that. They were prepared. We could, I could never have gotten the movie finished if the actors didn't, weren't as good as they were and as prepared as they were.
1: I mean, that That's a, a very crucial point. I mean, you know, given not only the constraints, but even under uh, normal circumstances, uh, when things are harried, <laughs> but maybe not as, you know, harried as, as the situation you find yourself in, um, you know, having people who you can rely on to do their job and be prepared and, and you know, do what they do. I mean, that's, that, that is why you hire professional actors. Right. Um, so I'm going to have to take a short break right now, but we have, uh, I believe, coming up, we, we'll have, uh, in, in one of the next shows, Daniel Valuzze, uh who we're going to talk about when we come back. Uh, Michael Bean uh, will be with us, I believe, in January at some point, and others from the show. Uh, we have an uh, uh, acting coach and mentor coming up in in, in December, and and uh, and then that's as much as I will say. But you're listening to Rex Ike's movie, Beat, Uh, The official web URL is rexsikes.com. Please go ahead and leave comments right now if you're listening at the player there at Blog Talk Radio, just underneath the player. If you can't see it, wait until the show is over and the player closes down, and then leave your comments. But otherwise, please do tweet live, Facebook, uh, help us spread the word about these conversations and this conversation with Nick Vallelonga, director of Yellow Rock and many other movies and uh and, and we appreciate it when you do cuz you actually extend the reach of our arm to to those people who may not yet be aware of the show and i appreciate it very much when you're able to uh do that for us all right so uh also uh, yellowrockthemovie.com is the web address yellowrockthemovie.com and you can also follow yellowrock the R- yellowrock i'm sorry yellowrock movie dot com, yellowrockmovie.com, and Movie dot com, and yellowrockmovie on Twitter, yellowrockmovie on Twitter. All right, and we're back with uh, Nick Vallelonga uh, the director of Yellow Rock. Um, now, you uh, had to take over from directing and move from producing to directing, and put on your director hat. And Lenore had to move from producing to acting and put on her acting hat. in In the midst of all of this. And Steve is executive producing, and he's running around doing everything and and more than what maybe a typical executive producer does. But I I, I think that the very hands-on executive producers are are hard workers. They're doing what – you know, I mean, some of us think that they're just money guys who show up on the set every now and then. But but especially in indie films, sometimes the executive producers can work – I don't mean sometimes, they work just as hard as everybody else, if not harder. And – so you had that, and then Daniel Valdez, who who owns this 800 acre ranch, uh, movie studio ranch, um, uh, came on, or was on, but came on as a producer and, and executive producer in the movie. What can you tell us about, about how these roles shifted, and 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 how Daniel, um, when he when he took on responsibility as set producer? Well,
0: Daniel I think kind of got. Suckered into this whole thing uh, He's such a nice guy uh, Lenore uh, had Daniel c- had come on originally Because he had the location And I think that was Kind of the extent of it at the beginning He he was giving them a really Great deal to uh, to Film you know he has A couple amazing ranches up there the, the Melody Ranch And the Values A movie ranch Were just everything You know from Tombstone to To the new Tarantino movie Django and old old westerns have been have been shot in both of these locations. Um, it's an amazing list of films and an amazing history. And he was nice enough to uh, because it's a low budget movie and an independent movie to give him a great deal to uh, to shoot up there. But slowly he uh, <laughs> he got more and more involved and uh, he liked the project. He loved Lenore and Steve, and then I got to know him and. Little by little, he got given responsibility. He got sucked in until ultimately uh, it came to the point. And said, "Man, you got you know he he had experience. So when I took over, someone had to you know take over my job. And and now he went from a guy that was being nice and doing the favor to having all these everything thrown at him as a as the producer behind the scenes, as we filmed, and that he obviously became more and more a part of the whole production, and invested his time and his his uh, his money and his uh, energy and, and life into this, he became you know as much a part of it as all of us. So that was a, that was a really great thing.
1: Oh, that's very cool. Now, just a, just a little a brief moment. You mentioned before about Michael and and. Uh, and Tombstone and and uh, working you know uh, with the gun and the different things. Uh, whose idea was it? This uh, the, the, the 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 homage line um, to his role as Johnny Ringo in Tombstone.
0: Well, that was my idea, and I wasn't sure if I could get him to do it. I didn't know if we should bring it up, but I thought it would be fun uh, if people know that, that film and the, the, the great role of Johnny Ringo in Tombstone that he played. Uh, he has a line in there with, when he's talking about Gilmore, I think, when he says, I want your blood, or when he's, when, he, when he's talking to Kurt Russell. So, I want your blood line is such a great line. I thought, how can we fit that in there that people will get it, you know? And we found the spot to do it, and so I approached him. I said, what if, what if you said said that here? And he laughed. He loved it. So he said, yeah, let's do it. So he said, the people that know will get it, and otherwise it still works for the, for the movie.
1: So that was our little um, homage uh, to Tombstone, and in, yeah, uh, in no. that's very cool. Now, um, let me ask you this: um, you know what what scene for you was your mo- what was the hardest thing to shoot? What, what would have been most challenging, and. Uh, or most difficult to pull off, especially in the time frame that you had, as well as what were some of the, your, your more favorite shots or more favorite scenes or most favorite scenes?
0: Um,
1: so that when viewers of, see the movie, they can, they can go, Oh, wow. This, you know.
0: Well, all the gunplay is, was, you know, you know, as a director, you got a Western, I and mean, you know, shootouts, you know, you want everyone has those classic shootouts. So every one of the shootout scenes, uh, were fun for me, but we didn't have a lot of time, so you know I wanted to make sure that you know you, you, these things have to stand up to what people are used to. You know, uh, it doesn't matter you're making a low budget movie; it ultimately is it good. There's, you know, people are watching it, they're not thinking of how much is spent; they're just thinking of are they enjoying it and, and is it good. So people have a, especially the western, you have a perception of what a western should be, how a western should feel. How it should make you feel like watching it. So, uh, you know, all of the shootout scenes pose their own challenges, but were also fun to do. Uh, when we were scouting the location uh, originally, we went up on this huge hill that we were, were thinking of uh, doing a shot of the Indian village below. And when I went up to this hill, I was looking around and I just thought it was gorgeous. And I I, I pictured the sun hitting this this field and I thought, oh, they, you know, they should use this for something. But I wasn't directing then. I mentioned it and it, it kind of, you know, no one really could think of what to do there. But ultimately when I directed, I finally seen um, with Roscoe getting chased Uh, when he's running with the gold. I don't want to give away the movie, but... Yeah, don't give away. (laughs) That sequence, to me, I just envisioned it in my head. Before it was ever shot, before I was even directing it, I just thought, that's where it should be shot. I just pictured it. So, when I took over, I said, I'm going to shoot that scene up there. And I shot that exactly the way I envisioned it. So, that was was fun for me, because I think it's plan much else out, but that was one thing I had in my head that I I, I kind of planned it and I envisioned it and I got it the way I wanted. So uh, I really, uh, the way that scene came out, and, I, I, and people have mentioned it, so I hope other people enjoy it as well.
1: So, um, you know, it, it, with, again, without giving away the anything away, can you walk us through what you think some of the scenes are that uh, make Yellow Rock the, uh, the award-winning film that it is?
0: Well, I think, you know, <clears throat> again, I think Lenore and Steve wrote a, a script that's a great throwback to uh, to the old westerns, and I kind of wanted to shoot it that way, but I think what makes it different is all the, you know, the American Indian angle, Lenore had a vision for what, you know, the story, not only the story she wanted to tell, but uh just a history of, of what happened to the American Indian. And so there's a fine line that, you know, this thing is it's not a documentary, it's a piece of entertainment. It should be a fun way to just watch it. But she wanted to make sure we had a message in there and I think the uh the Native American actors that we have in there, you know, they they, they really come across great that was a challenge to me, too. I wanted to make sure they were represented well and their, their part of the story was done well. And I think what makes it different is because it's usually, you know, the good cowboy and, and Indian, and that's not what we have here. Um, I think what Nord you know, has said, and she said this many times, and, and, you know, at the film festivals and everywhere else, her uh, biggest influence was Dances with Wolves, Um So I think that comes comes across. I think people like that. Whether I mean it's nothing like Dancing with Wolves. When you're influenced by something and you, that's the under underlying theme. In this case, I guess it reaches audiences. So they, uh, people really respond to it. It's one of those movies where, you know, I told Lenore, you know, sometimes you do a film and everything goes right, and everyone's in love on the set and. It's just a wonderful, wonderful flow, and somehow you get a crappy, boring movie out of it. In this case, <laughs> everyone was on edge, everyone was on their toes, but everyone was giving a thousand percent, but every day was tough, and, and there was a lot going on, and, and there was a lot of changes to the scripts we had to make uh, to, you know, for time, and so there was a lot happening, and everyone thought it was pure chaos, but somehow out of that chaos, um, some great performances were there And it just comes together And that's something you can't really Put your finger on I mean, you know I, I, I've i tried to make all my movies really good You, you hope that every movie you do Is going to be well received And uh, sometimes things work And sometimes things don't And sometimes there's things that you just don't You can't plan or can't expect And it just comes together And for some reason when this movie is shown with audiences uh, they they love it. They just respond to it, and you know the moments that you want people to jump or be scared or be moved, they happen with with the big audience when we screen the film. So um, I think by you know for a small movie we've been getting a lot of a uh, lot of attention, and we've won a bunch of festivals and awards. Um, so I, it, there's just sometimes a little magic happens. And you get lucky.
1: Uh, that's very that's that's awesome. It's very cool. I mean, you've got Best Director and Best Picture. You've got 18 awards so far, you know, including the Western Heritage Awards. And I mean, it's just it's just uh it's very cool. Now let me. You had a large large cast. You you had a limited amount of time and and a budget to work with. You'd had I don't know a dozen or more horses, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen horses, something like that. Guns, gunplay. You had stunts. Uh, you had knife play, or you know, or or other things. Uh, uh, but, um, and you're out, you're at a you're at a period piece. They're all in costume. It's 118 degrees. You're out on a, a western set location. Still in inside Los Angeles, essentially. But I mean, you know, within within the 30 mile, 35 mile radius. But but how for, can you? What what advice, suggestions, or wisdom can you impart to emerging filmmakers or other filmmakers? about, you know, how you pull all that off? Uh, my advice just, would be... not just guns, go, by the way. It's squibs and everything else. I'm sorry.
0: My advice would be go back home and go into the family business. That's what my <laughs> advice would be. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. He, there's no advice for something like that. Luckily, I had, you know, everything leads to something else. Luckily, I had enough experience that, you know, I was able to pull off my end. The actors, of course, was experienced. That you know, they were able to do what they had to do. I, mean, I didn't have to give hardly any acting direct direction. You know, everyone knew their character. Everyone knew what they had to do. You know, I'm, I'm there to watch them and make sure that you know that they're. Uh, I'm there to protect them and watch them. And, and and if I if I see something where we can make an adjustment. But most of the time, they were everyone was right on the money with the acting. And I just had to deal with all the technical end of it. And like I said, we talked about this earlier, the preparation was probably the most important.
1: I mean, Lenore,
0: you know, she just was that person. She just, there was no, I didn't have to tell her anything. You know, Michael Bean, Russo. so there's nothing to tell guys like that. They just bring it, bring what they bring. And that was pretty much for everyone. Um... So I was able to just deal with the, with the technical part of making the movie. Um other than some minor stuff with the actors, you know. But we all these scenes we didn't have a chance to block the only part that the actors had to rely on me to 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 help them through because we were thrown into you know there was some days there was nothing on the call screen, and they'd go, What are shooting today? And I would go, I don't know yet.
1: <laughs> and then
0: they'd go, Okay, we're going to shoot this scene. So everyone had to scramble and go, All right. That was the part that I think made a little bit hard on them because I hadn't, because we were on the ranch, I had to figure out where am I shooting these scenes. Well, there were a couple areas, obviously, that we knew in advance, but some of the stuff which just winged it from that day or depending on the light, or if there, there was clouds and I had shot half the scene the day before in the sun, I'd go, well, we can't shoot the second half of this scene, so we're going to go shoot something else, because we didn't have time to sit around. So that's what made it difficult on them, because they didn't know what I was going to do next. But once once I told them, everyone you know, got it together, and, and we, we did it.
1: Well, how did you track... Your own continuity in, in a situation like that. I mean, where, where make sure you got everything that you needed, uh, or didn't forget, you know, something crucial. Uh, you, I mean, just relying on the weather to be <laughs> bright again or cloudy again, so that you could match scenes has got to be, you know, okay. We got clouds today. Let's let's do it this way. Or oh, we got sunshine. I mean, that's just an amazing uh, way to work on your feet.
0: Well, again, I guess it's just out of sheer adrenaline, and uh, you know I've done a little bit of everything in my day, so from working on crews and shooting to editing, so I just I just kind of had it in my head. I, you know, again, you know sometimes you get lucky. I, I uh, all the experience I had of making guerrilla indie movies kind of came to fruition on this, and so I. Uh,
1: who knows? I got lucky, I guess. <laughs> and, and you're humble too. So let me let me say again it's YellowRoc uh movie dot com, dot com, Yellow Rock Movie on Twitter or at Twitter, Yellow Rock Movie at Twitter. And people can get a copy of Yellow Rock at Walmart and Amazon, Blockbuster, uh, Barnes and Noble, Netflix, um Redbox, you know, and and many different places. So uh, if if uh, listeners haven't yet seen the movie, they can always go and get the movie and take a look at, at what it is that we're discussing, and we'll, we'll continue to discuss in in the future with the uh, other guests as well. Now the the, um, the 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 guys, the the cowboys, they they were uh, very distinct, well developed characters, as he, as you mentioned and um and also riding i mean you know you 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 know you've got uh, i don't remember how many there were 8 9 together in in on horseback or something like that at a time and the the native americans had had their uh groupings of of, of people on horseback and uh how did you how did you how did you how did you manage the um the the shots, just I mean, as Lenore describes it, it's a journey movie. So I mean, people are on the move. You're not you're not in one place a lot. You're a lot of horseback stuff and and uh, and uh, getting them to hit their marks or be in frame.
0: Well, luckily, like I said earlier, they they there really weren't many problems with the horses as far as our, our actors were just great with the horses. I mean. Well, and Moore had ridden a lot, and so she she helped a lot of the actors, too, and uh, these horses uh, came from um, and worked together before. So there, there was about 17 horses that uh, um, I'm blanking out on, on our horse was names. who should get credit for this. These were great horses. I mean, they were movie horses, so, you know, they... they gunshots didn't bother them, uh, Lights didn't bother them, not much bothered them. I mean, it's still an issue. They still have to all move together, and, you know, it's time-consuming. you got to go go reset them up again and then do the shot again to get a different angle and different coverage. So all that was still in play, but luckily we had great wranglers and we had actors who knew how to handle the horses. So, you know, after a while, I kind of got a little, uh, I wasn't worried about it. I said, okay, just go do this. I need you guys to do this and come into this. And, Lenore, you got to come around from the back to the front. And I would just tell them, and we would just do it. So, uh, again, a little bit of luck. But the luck was also combined with the experience of the people that were would, that would doing
1: it. Was the uh, Wrangler, I, I know you said you blanked on the name, was the Wrangler other than Peter Shurenko? I mean, there's another. Uh, yeah,
0: the horse wranglers came down from Montana. Lenora's probably oh. listening. This wants to kill me. Uh, uh, I can't think of their names right right off the top of my head. I'm just bad with that, and it's early in the morning for me. Um, no worries. But Peter got he he got those guys to come to come down and uh, and to um so uh, these guys
1: had lots
0: and lots of experience, and and the horses were amazing
1: and uh, and working with the native americans i mean you did some really impressive night scene uh, shooting and and uh, and other things as well uh, can you just describe some of of those moments that you uh worked with those actors well our art
0: department and all those guys did a great job with creating the the uh, indian village and michael spears was our uh uh technical consultant as it was not McLaren, and all of them, I would ask to them all: Are you comfortable with what's being done? Are you comfortable with what you're wearing? Are you comfortable um, with uh, everything that's happening? If there's something that's off, you know, you guys got to tell us because, you know, that was especially important to Lenore that, that you know everything was as real w- w- as possible. We, we wanted to honor you know that part of of the, uh, the American Indian past. So. Um, luckily, we had great guys, and they would say, "Well, we would do it like this," or you know, I'd ask them, "How would we do this? How would we do that?" And, and that's how we we did it. So that night scene, Michael's a great singer, and that was native music, and I wanted to incorporate that into the movie somehow, and um, that's what we did. I think that gave it a, a great flavor and, and a great feeling and a lot of passion, and, and, and we see these people, uh, the community that they were, family that they were, and how they kind of came together with music and, and love. So that was very important, to capture that side of the, the movie uh, and
1: make it as realistic as possible. Uh, I, I just noticed that the, the some of the horse wranglers, there was a Kevin McNevin and... Um, yeah. Yeah, Artie rep- Report, report. Yeah. and Cynthia, apparently, and uh, Charles.
0: Yes. Kevin and, and Artie were the, the main guys, and they were just amazing. It was Kevin's horses, and, and he works with Artie is amazing. He's a polo player. He's just an amazing stunt man. I used them in the film There's a shootout scene, and I, I put them in the movie because they were so great. And um, uh, I'm glad you, you called those names out
1: oh yeah no worries let me ask you um, about working with the uh, composer because we mentioned you mentioned the music in the night scene and uh, but let's also talk about the, the film's scoring and uh, and 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 what it was like you know blending uh, you know both the the cowboys and the Indians and, and Randy Miller and, and the score that, that the, he came up with for the movie well Lenore had
0: Already had Randy Miller on board Which was a great uh, Addition to us So Normally I would have been able to do a Spotting session with him We weren't able to do that Because of various reasons uh, The coordination that we had After the film Because I, mean, I wasn't originally direct So after I, I was done I had to go do some other things But Randy um, He just you know uh, once again, you, you you get professionals, sometimes you can just leave them alone and do what they have to do, and uh, we uh, Randy just came in with this tremendous score, and then when we went, we were mixing, we made some adjustments, and, um, you know, he just nailed it. Again, a lot of times we're lucky. you got professionals that are good at what they do or great at what they do, and uh, you leave them alone, sometimes that's the best thing to do. The best direction is to let the people... Do what they do, and Randy came up with a, a great, great score. So uh, that was that was the one part of the movie where there was a score over that scene with the natives. It kind of blended the score and the and the and the, the Indians, and um, we discussed it and we decided to just leave the music to the traditional music of the Indians. And then there was only one other moment, I think, that we we had a conversation that was when uh, Michael Spears' character is kind of left for dead and he's praying to God. And uh, there was a score behind that, which was brilliant. But Lenore and I both felt the passion of the scene that Michael was doing. It didn't mean anything, so we, we pulled that score out of that moment. Other than that, I think every single moment that Randy put in uh, is exactly how, how he intended it, because Lomar and I just loved it. So he did a great job.
1: Well, that, is, that is, is very cool. Now, while it sounds like it, <laughs> uh, you know, in other words, hey, i got a ranch, let's go make a movie for you. I mean, in other words, you know, you just kind of get pulled in. Uh truly. Uh, behind the scenes with Yellow Rock is, is it wasn't like that at all. I mean, you, they, you hired the best you could afford. You got them on the set uh, while things were chaotic, and and you were adjusting to a new role. Is coming on as director, and Lenore was shifting from producer to to actor, and uh, Steve, you know, was was working with Daniel in order to make the movie. I mean, you know. Y- y- you brought in new crew and things like that one could safely assert that um, part of the potential success of Yellow Rack was due to having a cast and crew that knew what they were doing from the start and that you know the that it was professional and, and and when the professionals came together and pulled together uh they were able to make uh something happen. And it, and it happened, you know, and all the circumstances those ducks fell into place ultimately, you know, for, for this to become an award winning uh movie. But uh, uh you know, if tomorrow I ran out and just grabbed a bunch of my friends and tried to pull this up, I may not have the same kind of success. Or well, in the okay. same time frame.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, it's it, you know, you get lucky sometimes, but that doesn't mean that the the whole time everything was. I mean, I, I threw some coke cans. I mean, if that means anything, there was a there was a few coke cans swung against trees a, a couple of times. I mean, it, they, you know, because it was, it was frustrating out there because it was it was tough and everyone was was uh, was sort of on edge, especially the first few days after I took over because no one knew. What they were going to get Luckily right. Lenore, Lenore and I had worked together before So she trusted that I was going to She kind of just had to like Put all her trust in me Basically they all didn't say You know Pull this thing together But even then uh, You know There were things that I I said Well if I'm going to do this I see this and I see that So I had my take on some stuff But also just Technically There were uh, things that I said we we're not going to be able to shoot this Lenora, because we just don't have time, and there were important elements in her script that 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 we didn't want to lose, so there was also while this was going on, in a sense we were rewriting not rewriting but trying to combine some of the elements that she had in there we don't we don't we don't want to lose anything important, but we also just physically. Could not shoot some stuff So we had to readjust Some of the, the ending uh, Some of the, 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 the shootouts um, And she was great that way I mean you know uh, She obviously had to approve everything and, and was involved in all the changes But I had to come up with some things And say we need to shorten this So how do we shorten it And sa- save what you want So she was great that way and I, But I think it was only because everyone knew we, we all had to make adjustments If we were going to get this thing finished And, you know, Steve had put his, his money into this movie And we wanted to make sure we had something when we were done So so um, it, was, it was tense a lot But in a good way I mean, everyone was was just trying to do their best to make this thing come out as good as it could be and there's also the thing we got to finish this movie. We have to finish it. We have to have enough to make a movie. So um, there was a lot, a lot going on. But I think well, the, I, the good stuff is there up on the screen. Yeah,
1: no, that's very true. Very true, and very cool. I, I think that uh, people underestimate the role of, of of trust or credibility. I mean, in other words. You know, you stepped into a situation where uh, you work with some people who knew you, you know, and, and you knew them, but other people don't. Uh, you know, it, I I think that's an amazingly difficult position to be in. And, and oftentimes, I mean, you know, it's it's like the uh, person directing a TV show. They wrote it, rotate into the show. Everybody else is well-established. They know their rhythms. They know each other. And now the new director comes in or, or a new cast member, for that matter. And uh, and and you know, working out the rapport, working out the the bugs of a relationship, trusting that that you're in good hands, or that the person can deliver, and you know that you're not you know gonna sink the ship, but but uh, make the ship get to port. You know, um, all of the things that you typically would get to evolve over a longer period of time, you know, in, in ideal circumstances, um, are now compressed. You know, I mean, that, that's that got to be... Well, a- my,
0: my take as a director is I like to be, like I said earlier, as prepared as possible. And the people I choose for departments and people working on the movie, I I have two ways of doing things. My way, I want it my way, but yet I I do know enough to let people bring what they bring to a film. So right. usually I go through all that before the movie starts. Right. Because if there's ideas or people want to try stuff, I let them do it, and then we come to. We all know what we're doing. Well, when I was thrown on as a director, I mean, I didn't have that. I hadn't had that conversation with all those people because it wasn't my job to. So, and I didn't have time to have that conversation. Right. So, short I'm. I, I, you know, the other director was a. He's a great nice guy, laid back, and I, you know, I'm an Italian guy from Jersey, and I'm yelling and screaming, but I'm not yelling and screaming at people. I'm just sort of big, and, um, you know, Lenore knows that about me, and uh, and some of the other guys do, but not everybody else does. So uh, I'm sure there were a lot of people thinking, oh, this maniac is going to ruin this whole movie, and he doesn't know what he's doing. But I didn't have time to explain myself, because I said, I have only one purpose here, is to save this movie, to get it made, to get it shot properly. And I don't have time to to explain why I'm doing what I'm doing. So there was that part of it. But I think right. by the end, hopefully, uh, everyone everyone uh, was happy with how, how things turned out. So it was, it was a crazy shoot.
1: Well, and and it sounds like it, and we've got maybe uh, uh, ten minutes or twelve minutes at the outside uh, remaining in in today's show, uh, but this has been fascinating, and I don't think that people understand that it, what you said a moment ago. There's a difference between yelling because you're frustrated and yelling at someone. You know, I mean, there's there's the you know, I can call somebody a stupid idiot or I could go, look, we gotta get this shot and they aren't the same thing. <laughs> they're they're yeah. not you know, one is a personal attack and the other is, hey, we need to get something finished here and, and voices can raise and people can be stressed and, and, and we are you know, people are under pressure and under in a time frame. Um and and I think people need to understand that, you know, especially when dollars are ticking away and time is running, you know, you know, away from us. That that uh, it's not surprising if tempers are are on edge, and I don't mean tempers, but you know, the, the frustration is can be totally maxed. Um, but well, again, like I it was, said, it, it,
0: it, I, you know, I don't want to paint the wrong picture. It was a lot of fun. It was really cool. It was great. But there's moments of that, and there was a, you know yeah. lots of none. And I, but I like I said, I think everyone. Kind of stepped up, and I think everyone knew the situation. We're under a lot of pressure here. We have to get this going, right. and everybody sort of like brought
1: their their, their a game to it, and Help right. help me get it get it get it. That's very cool. And I and I don't want to in any way, or shape, or, or form suggest that it was other other than anything. I'm I'm just trying to point out that. You know, there's a lot at stake on any movie set, and it makes sense if if people are having trouble. And when you do and when you don't. And by trouble, I mean, you know, getting getting the shot, getting it in the can, so to speak. And uh, But you were working with a lot of things, you know, the horses, the guns, the stunts, the squibs, and all these different things. Plus, the question I want to ask about now is, what was it like working with wolves? Oh, wolves. Well, whenever
0: you're working with a- animals, you know, you it's it's uh, you're you're at the mercy of the animal, but again, Lenora had already had um, set that up, and she picked uh, some great people, and they had wolves were trained well, and for the most part, I think we got. You know, we had to shoot that fast. We only had, we didn't have the wolves for very long, and um, we got what we needed. And then we, we, we in post production, we enhanced what we had. Let's put it that way. So, uh, movie magic combined with uh, the real wolves, and um, you know,
1: it, it works. Well, that's very cool. So, when all is said and done, I mean, you shot your first western, you said you, you know, you thought about westerns uh were you were you a fan of the genre before that i mean do you know your westerns like some some people do and some people don't I mean. oh
0: yeah no i'm a huge well you know from stagecoach to the searchers sure. Magnificent seven and Cassidy and wild bunch i mean you name it i you know I, I i know my westerns i'm a big well i'm a big movie fan to the with, but
1: i love westerns so, so uh, do you do, you know do you do you feel that any particular did you did you utilize any particular director or film, you know, in in thinking about Yellow Rock? Well, I, I just thought I
0: because of the the uh, the story. I just I wanted it to feel like a '50s movie that the type of movie that you know we have a I think it's a it's an R rating, but I don't know how or why we it is did
1: that. Right, I, I would.
0: Maybe the violence, because I didn't intend that. Lenore and I were very surprised. I mean, there's, there is some violence, but I want it to be the type of movie that, you know, I remember going, my father taking me and my brother to go see a western, and, uh, you know, the kids could kind of see also. Um, I mean, it's not it's not a homogenized movie like that, but it's to the point of where a good old-fashioned western that you would might have seen in the, in the 50s you know and that was like like i had to make a quick decision of how i wanted it to look and feel so that's what i went for uh great story great strong characters you know good guys bad guys a great leading lady um an adventure you go on a journey on a trip I mean, that was all in the script so you you want to make that script come to life and um i think we did that I mean, again, I, I wasn't—I didn't have enough time to prepare to think, what do I really want to do? But I knew enough about westerns and the feel of them, and the script was so good, so I—I I, kind of just—I—I I, I knew how I had to shoot it to to give it that feel, and I think that that's paid off because we got a lot of nice compliments at the uh, Western Heritage Awards from a lot of. Uh, Prestigious and and, and actors and people who worked on a lot of old westerns, and they said exactly that. They came up to us and said, "This feels like a good old-fashioned western." You know, like 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 it could have been made you know in the the fifties or the sixties, and that 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 that, we were pretty proud of that because that's kind of what we were going for.
1: Oh, that's cool, Nick. I got I got to say I don't know why I got an R rating either. I mean, there's nothing in it that I can see why there's an R. My 10-year-old son watched it with me, and I didn't have any problem letting him watch it. He liked it. He, he liked it very much. And, um, and so I, I don't know what the rating is about. But, uh, I mean, it, it's got some bloodshed and, and everything, but, but no more so than my son would see in a Transformer movie. I mean, let, you know, probably less. Yeah. You know, yeah, you probably not already.
0: I'm, I'm Italian, so if you give the Italian guy an
1: Yeah, maybe Italian. that's it. Maybe that's it. So, in our remaining moments, let me ask you this: one, any suggestions? You know, any anything for you know emerging filmmakers to consider when when you know making their movies and getting their projects made from a from a writer, director, producer, actor standpoint. You know, I, I want to let you have a, a moment to uh, to talk about that. And then also, uh, what's next for you? What what are what are you working on? What's coming up?
0: Um, well, as far as you know, emerging filmmakers again, like I said, go home and uh, and, and and open up a pizzeria. <laughs> uh, no, I mean again, it's it's hard work. It's it's perseverance. It's um, you know, it's luck sometimes, but it's mostly hard work, and you have to be prepared for a lot of uh, disappointments. But when you get the chance to do something, my 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 uh, advice is prepare as much as possible beforehand because so that's going to help you out um in the end so as much preparation as much knowledge uh, as you can get as much experience as you can get that would be uh that would be my advice uh mentors ask questions go to people that have done it before anyone that you know that's better than you and then also just go out and do it you know grab a camera and just start making something and because uh, everything you do you're gonna learn from that. Uh um, as far as what's next, I have a few different things I'm doing. Um, one of the actors in the movie Paul Sloan and I have a couple of projects together. I had some directed one of his scripts called Stiletto that we had done already in the past with uh Michael Bean was in that with Tom Berenger and Stan and uh William Forsyth. Russo, James Russo was in that as well. Tom Sizemore, and we're going to do another one together, and uh, another one with uh, Paul's scripts We're doing with Nicholas Cage. We're going to be producing that. Uh, it looks like a couple months if that all goes well. And I have a couple of my own things. Again, I have romantic comedy that I want to do. I have a bunch of different type of genres that I, that I have in mind. So um, just keep hacking away trying to get trying to get these movies made.
1: Well, that's very, very cool, and I would love to have you back another time to talk about some of the other movies that you've done and the people that you've worked with and the and the things that you've written and produced and directed uh, as well as sometime in the future. Um, I've enjoyed this time with you discussing Yellow Rock and, and uh, making it happen. And again, remind the, the listeners to leave comments before they go away at The Player and on Facebook and Twitter to uh, share this interview as well as others. Um, but they can find yellowrockmovie.com. as the official website, yellowrockmovie.com, and uh, yellowrockmovie at Twitter. And they can follow both of those. Nick, it has been uh, really, really uh, fun listening to you and talking with you uh, about this movie. And um, I hope, like I said, we get to do it again about some of your other projects. And meanwhile, uh, all of the best. Well, thank you.
0: I appreciate you having uh, me on and having all of us on and promoting the film. It's uh it's very nice of you to do, and I hope people get a chance to go see it. And thank you for uh,
1: for your time. Oh, you bet. All right, well, we'll say goodbye. I'll talk to you in a little while, but uh, thank you so much, and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. You too. Thank you. Bye. All right, thanks. Again, Mr. Nick Vallelonga, the director of uh, Yellow Rock and other movies, and you can pick that up at Walmart or Amazon, Blockbuster, I believe Barnes & Noble, Netflix, uh and and other places. Check into it yellowrockmovie.com, and yellowrockmovie uh movie at Twitter. All right, everybody. I uh, appreciate all of you who are in the chat room chatting and and joining us today and if you're listening for your first time, whether archived or live, you can always join us when we record live and be in the chat room. If not, you always have these available to you as archived and recorded shows at com. That's R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S dot com. And that's my website, Movie Beat. You can Google us, find us, you know, or, you, or do a web search. Um all of these interviews are archived there. You can also listen and, and read about my guests because uh, every guest has a biography page, and within that biography page are the links to listen live or archived, and you just go take a look at that. Uh, so if it's your first time, we hope you come back and join us again and again, and I want to thank all the people who've been uh, with us and who promote us and who have shared these interviews and continue to do so and who tweet and who who talk about it uh, and who conversationally you know they meet somebody and say oh I'm listening to the show or they've got their iPhone you know or their iPad or their smartphone or something tuned to it and somebody said I got to go to the gym but I'll be listening on my phone uh, so you know uh, thank you it's important uh, to my guests it's important to me and it means a lot to all of us uh you know movie beat uh when you share it and then when you leave comments so please do the uh, podcasts are available at iTunes and you can rate and review the iTunes uh podcast there as well and that extends our reach follow me on uh Twitter rexikes movie bt rexikes movie bt the last word is abbreviated also you can uh check out the uh, rexikes movie beat youtube channel and uh, go and check out some of the short, brief interviews there on camera and some other things, uh, but go take a look at that. And, of course, on uh, Facebook, Rex Sykes Movie Beat Friends on Facebook, Rex Sykes Movie Beat Friends. And we'll hope you come and join us there because that's a great way to find out who my next upcoming guests are, to find out about cast and crew opportunities, to find out about different projects. It's a, a resource page for um, anyone who's on Facebook, I guess and uh, my website the official rex Sykes movie beat is under construction so there's a, a mirror site another one coming up soon hopefully after the first of the year sometime it's been in the works for almost 2 years now and that doesn't mean there's going to be a lot of bangs and whistles it means that it's taken that long to transfer data and transfer articles and transfer interviews and set it up and and uh, as well as some new things so uh, hopefully that will get to debut soon and uh, and and w- and uh in the meantime uh the site i'm using right now i'm not adding uh, written content to that much but i am adding the interviews uh each week and and so uh you can find out there and you can find out on facebook you can find out on twitter uh who's up next and uh and what else to pay attention to also as i've said there's over 300 hours more than that of professional filmmakers, actors, screenwriters, directors, producers, uh, and the rest um, sharing their expertise with you, go back and listen to the archives. Go back at uh, com and, and go back to the very first interview back in 2009 and, and listen. Listen. There's enough there to listen to an interview almost every day of the year. So, go ahead and listen and really uh, enhance your movie making knowledge and your familiar- familiarity with the, the different professional uh, movie maker guests that I have. Uh, and by the way, Yellow Rock, Peter Foldy is a director. He's a musician. He's a friend. He uh, introduced me to Lenore and to Steve. As a result, um, you know the the Spears brothers and uh, Nick today have been on the show. So it's truly about networking and and uh, connecting up. And so I want to thank Peter and a shout out to to him and to to all the others and all the people who refer guests to me. And uh, and subsequently. To those uh, for you, who you get to hear. All right, everybody, stay tuned. I got a lot of more exciting guests coming up in the near future, both now and after the the uh, first of the year. I hope we all uh, survive the uh, Mayan apocalypse, but celebrate your holidays however you celebrate, and I hope they're happy, from Hanukkah to Kwanzaa to Christmas to you name it, and um, and enjoy. And, oh, by the way, if I've left out any holidays, uh, it's inadvertent. So enjoy your holiday. Enjoy your New Year. Uh, we've got shows before the end of the year, but just uh, just so you know, uh, also Serum the movie is coming along well. That's the movie I'm producing and directing, and, uh, and we're still shooting on that. We've got more to do after the first of the year. So uh, we're a little bit of a hiatus now until we can wrap up some important uh, shots that we need, and then uh, we'll let you know uh, when that will be available. But uh, check us out on Facebook, Serum the Movie, Serum the Movie. It says Serum Short Film because we also made a short film of it, and when we put it up, the guy that put it up put Serum Short Film. So everybody keeps saying, "Well, if this is a short film, why does it say pilot? Why does it say this way?" Because. it's a larger project with a short film attached to it, and, and instead of just putting the title up, uh, the guy put serum and put short film, and it's confused everybody. But um, uh, go check it out. There's a lot of great production stills, a lot of great uh, video, behind-the-scenes video and different things, and uh, and, and check it out. I'd love to have you there as well. All righty, everybody. Complete your projects, uh, get your movies made, and have a fabulous day. And until we meet the next time, That is a wrap.